We're reading this morning from the Gospel of Mark, and it's chapter 1, and the first 13 verses, and we'll conclude with verse 35. The section is headed, John the Baptist prepares the way. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. Now, if we just turn to verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, I pray for Steve this morning, for the work he's doing here. We pray that you will give him the words that you have for us, and that we will listen and take them with obedient hearts. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. So today we begin this series looking at uh, these four values, uh, slightly uh, evolved, I guess, from what we used to talk about, the four R's, but hopefully uh, values which we can get hold of uh, and which communicate more readily. And the first is to love God. It may seem pretty obvious, but actually, don't you find that in most relationships, at some point, you lose sight of what it's all about? And in our relationship with God, it has to all be fundamentally about love. It is the first commandment. And as a church, we are called, first of all, to love Christ. So, before we think about 
evangelism, before we think about service in the city, before we think about church growth, before we think about justice, we're thinking really about loving God. I guess that, well, I, I'm pretty sure, actually, just looking around, we are fairly good at working out our love for God in our daily lives. We know that we're called to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And therefore, the, our love for God has to affect every area of our lives. But what I want to talk about today is not so much about how we express our love, but how we cultivate our love. Because I think many of us find that we get to the point where we want to express our love for God, but there's not a lot of love, a lot of love there. So how do we cultivate love? And love is cultivated through time. I can think of many a father I've talked to who said, I, I show my family that I love them by the hours I, go to, I put in at work. It's all for them. But for the family, it doesn't feel like love at all. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And if we are to cultivate our love for God, it has to involve time, and particularly time in prayer. Where can we go to cultivate our relationship with God and our love for God? The answer is, we go to the desert. Did you notice that this, the landscape of this chapter is all about the wilderness, the desert? This is a picture of the Judean desert. It's a pretty uh, arid and uh, isolated place. And the voice of John comes as one calling in the wilderness. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And the wilderness is a place where God meets with his people. Jesus demonstrates his love for the Father through prayer. And to pray, he goes into the desert. First of all, he goes in with all the people. You notice this was a busy scene. It says in verse 5, The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to John. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. And Jesus goes out to where the crowd is. So the place of cultivating our love for God is not just alone by myself. It is in the context of God's people, a lot of God's people. And Jesus doesn't make himself an exception. He doesn't say, well, I'm the son of God. I've got a special relationship with the Father, and so I don't need to be here. He goes, and he's actually baptized by John. Even though, as in Matthew's Gospel, John says to him, hey, you, I should be baptized by you. What, what are you doing here? You've got nothing to repent of. But such is his solidarity with the people of God that he goes into the desert to be baptized with all the people. But he also seeks God alone. And that's why we tagged on to the reading, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And the word for solitary place is the same word as is used for wilderness. It's the same. Jesus goes into the desert, into the wilderness. He goes with others, and he goes alone. 
Going into the wilderness is a frightening thing. I remember being the very far north of Scotland, and we pulled up on this little road, and I looked out, and I knew that there was nothing for 60 miles. And I felt a kind of chill come over me, thinking, you know, this is not like the Lake District, where there are paths all over the place. This is genuine wilderness. How would I feel going into that place alone? Jesus chooses that. Now, your wilderness may not be a physical place, but I'm trying to talk today about the spiritual life. And I think as I talk, you will know what your wilderness place is. And the encouragement is to go there. For us, going into the wilderness is a frightening thing. It's frightening to be alone with God. It's frightening to, be, to encounter God with others. Because God, as we've said already, is holy and awesome. But it's also the place of life. And from God's point of view, it is a place where love can be rekindled and deepened. Hear these words from Hosea, chapter 2. Talking about Israel, the metaphor in Hosea is that Israel has been like um, an adulterous wife, gone off with other men. And God says these words, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. No distractions and no escape from the gaze of the lover. So, what happens in the desert? I'm just going to go through this passage and talk about some things that happen in the desert uh, and uh, how they apply to us in our life of prayer. The first is that the desert is a place of formation. God's people were formed in the desert. The journey from Egypt to the promised land could have taken about 10 days. It took 40 years. It took 40 years because it was the place for God to form his people. We are shaped in the desert. And so we need to be asking, what does this look for, like for us as a church to be shaped in prayer and encounter with God? What does it look like for me as an individual to be shaped in that way? Jesus chose the desert place. And God shapes us through desert times in our lives as well. It may not just be a place. It can be a prolonged, arid season of our lives. But that can be the place of formation, and it can be the place of the renewal of our love for God. Secondly, the desert is a place of facing reality. I see it as my, is it my job almost to pray. I have a monthly quiet day and you may think, oh, what a luxury. But often it's not, you know. Who am I when no one's looking? When I'm all on my own, what have I actually got to say to God? Remember a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking about the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee and saying that prayer is the overflow of our hearts 
What is the overflow of my heart? It's a place of facing reality, all the things that surface in my mind, ugly thoughts, temptations, which can't be suppressed through distractions because I've come to be in the desert with God. I'm not really as important as I like to think I am. And God is far more important than I often think he is. And then I'm there waiting, waiting for God. And he's not there at my beck and call. Sometimes he doesn't come. Sometimes he chooses to be absent. But then he does come. And he's happy just to waste time with me. When we could be getting on running the world. So... The desert is a place of facing reality. And as we face reality, it becomes a place of being open to radical change and repentance. So John calls people to go into the desert to repent and to be baptized. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the River Jordan. Repentance is both a turning away from sin and a turning to God. Now, John's baptism was limited. He said, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will come to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, if you compare Peter's sermon in Acts 2 with John's sermon in the desert, it's very similar. Repent and be baptized. But in John's case, it stops there. But through Jesus, it goes on and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's a place where we're open to radical change. Maybe you think sometimes, how can I change? Go into the desert. Fourthly, it's a place where the new covenant of God's people is, so, it's a place where the, the, the Spirit is given. The new covenant is a gift of God's Spirit. God's people are formed by the Spirit and not by the law. And it, as Jesus goes and is baptized, as he's coming out of the water, a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And the Spirit is given. The Spirit is the love gift of the Father to the Son. And through the Spirit, the, Father, the Son gives himself back to the Father in loving service. So the Spirit is this beautiful exchange between Father and Son. And it's when we go into the desert. It's when we face reality. It's when we're prepared for radical change that we receive the Spirit afresh. So that brings me on to my fifth point, that the Spirit is the place of receiving our identity from the Father. Those words of the Father to Jesus, you're my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased, were actually a combination of two quotations. The first is from Psalm 2. It's one of the royal Psalms. This is my son. You are my son. Today I've become your father, it says. And the second is from Isaiah 42, which is about the servant 
my servant, in whom I am well pleased. And so as the Father speaks these words to Jesus, he's saying, this is your identity. You are my son, whom I love. You are my servant, in whom I'm well pleased. And we don't go into the desert to receive our identity apart from Christ. It comes to us through Christ. As we are baptized into Christ, those words of the Father are spoken to us. You're my child, you're my servant. And we must hold those two things together. Sometimes we think God speaks to us only as servant. Sometimes we think he speaks to us only as child. But the two come together. That is our identity. We live in an age where people talk a lot about identity. As if it's something that I have inside of me and only I know what it is and I'll tell you. That's not what identity is. Identity is always a gift. From the moment a child is born and its parent looks into its eyes as it makes funny faces and responds to the faces of the child, the, the, the parent is giving the child identity through love. We receive, identity is a gift. And sometimes we believe wrong things about our identity. We receive identity through the voice of the media or through the voice of the market or the voice of people who don't really love us. And we need to go into the desert to really know who we are. And it will boil down to this. We are children and servants of God. Next, the desert, and, and finally, almost, no, so I've got one more point after this, is the place of testing and strengthening. You notice that when Jesus was baptized, Verse 12, it says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Well, he's already in the wilderness. So for me, that means further into the wilderness, further into the desert. And he was tempted in the wilderness 40 days by Satan. And the angels attended him. So the the first act of love of the Father to the Son, having told him who he is, is to send him into the desert. (laughs) That's a little bit counterintuitive, isn't it? And I think many of us feel when we're going through hard times or when we're in desert places, the Father can't possibly love us. But listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 12. Have you completely forgotten the, the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father. And Hebrews goes on to say that even even Jesus was made perfect through suffering. So the desert is the place where we're tested and shaped and strengthened. I was um, cycling out near uh, Beaver Castle the other day, and I passed a farm, and it had this big sign on it. An assault course and fitness boot camp. Coming here soon. The military mission run. 
And I thought, how amazing. People will drive out into the countryside to go to this farm to be shouted at, to be made to do things that are going to hurt, to be treated as if they're in the military and have a mission. Because actually they do want to have a mission and they do want to be made better. Friends, if people are willing to go into the desert of the fields of beaver to be shaped physically, shouldn't we want to go into the desert to be shaped spiritually? So, we're about loving God. Just read this quote from Thomas Merton because you'll be reading it and not listening to me. The climate of this prayer is then one of awareness, gratitude, and a totally obedient love which seeks nothing but to please God. Our first value as a church is to love God. Sounds so easy, but it's the hardest thing. And it's a journey, because most of religion is actually about controlling God. And much of what we made Christian religion is also about controlling God. That if I do this, if I pray that, if I go, go there, then God will bless me. Or God will do what I want him to do. But we're on a journey which is not about control. It's about consecration. And to do that, we go into the desert.